our, my, our subject today is hope is expressed in family. Hope is expressed in family. If you can see the stage, you'll probably see the two pop-ups onto my left and to my right. And, and this statement is one of our five values as a church. Hope is expressed in family. And um, do you know, when I, when I prepare to... When I, uh, and I'm going to focus a little bit on, on the whole thing of God is community. We'll come on to that in a moment. And I'm going to try and not speak too fast, because um, I know I can do that sometimes. <laughs> and I know John sometimes used to say to me, Graham, you're great yesterday, but you're like a train. <laughs> and Michelle, I'll get home, and, and Michelle says, slow down. But I'm just aware of the time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get the balance right as well. But whenever I speak, I always try and look for a story that will fit what I'm trying to speak on. And I've been struggling uh, to get a story uh, around, you know, the importance of hope in family and the importance of community and all that kind of stuff. And um, for for those of you who don't know, um, my father passed away in February. My mum died three years ago and my sister and I have ended up with the farm. And so it's, it's a blessing and hard work all in the same mix. And on Saturday, I was over at the farm yesterday clearing out one of the buildings and behind one of my dad's workbenches in one of the sheds, I found these. And I cried. Um, because when I was about eight or nine years old, at primary school, we did a project on the Vikings. And the Vikings had round shields. And I came home from primary school and I said, Dad, you wouldn't make us a couple of shields, would you? And he did. And these are the shields of a little boy who was nine years... I'm 56 now, so we're talking about like several decades ago. And he made these two shields. You can see they're really strong handles. And he'd never got rid of them. And I found them behind a workbench in one of the barns yesterday... And I remember, because he also made two wooden swords, and of course, as an, as an eight, nine-year-old, I said to him, Dad, can we go outside and fight? <laughs> and he said, all right then. And, you know, and when, now, now I've become a dad, you realise what a request that is. You know, your nine-year-old son wants to fight you with a, with a wooden sword and a shield. And he would be in the garden, and I would have my shield, and he would have this one. And the reason he has this one is because he was trying to defend me, because I thought I was good. And, and you can see, I got my little sword, and I actually hit the shield so hard, I took a great big chunk out of his shield. But my dad is my, was my family. And when I, when I found them yesterday, it just reminded me of how important family is, how important hope comes when it is expressed in family. I believe that in every human being, there is a deep desire to be loved and to be known. I think we all feel we want to belong somewhere where we are accepted and loved unconditionally. Where there is that experience of the deepness and joy of family. And I feel privileged that that's what I experienced growing up. 
Of course, there are millions of people around the world who don't experience that. And maybe you are here today and you would say, well, that wasn't my experience when I was growing up. I didn't experience the hope and the joy that is expressed in family. But I think that when you look at the strongest families and the best teams and the most effective partnerships and the most effective communities, you do find some common things. And one of the things that you find often in strong families or strong sports teams or strong partnerships and communities, you find that they are built with a real strong sense of togetherness and love and joining together. And, you know, we often use this word community in church life. In fact, before we were called Hope Church, we were called This Christian Community Church. There are hundreds and hundreds of churches around the country and around the world that have this word in the title of their church. They are a community church. We all live in a community, don't we? We, we live in a village or a town, and we live in a community. And if you're part of a family, whether it's strong and unified or whether it's got measures of dysfunction attached to it, and I guess all of our families have probably got a bit of that, we live within a community. If you're married here today or you're living with your partner here today, you are living in a community of two. If you've got children, you have a community in your household. And I think it's really good to just briefly have a look this morning about why community is really, really important. Because we would probably all agree that, that good community creates a lot of strength. That a good community creates a lot of stability. I've been part of groups, Christian groups in the past, and non-Christian groups, like in a football team, where there is this real sense of togetherness, and there's this real sense of joining, and you feel you belong. You feel part of something, and it enriches your life. And the reason I believe community is so, so important is very simply this, and God is community. Before we unpack you know, what community might look like in terms of a Christian community, I think it's really important that we understand that God himself is community. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, for example, in that creation story in those early chapters, that a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And, and this is what it says. The two become one flesh. There is a joining together. There is a oneness. And I love these two quotes. They're going to come up on the screens now. The philosopher Cornelius Plantinga. It's a great name, isn't it? Eh? I mean, you'd notice that name, wouldn't you, if, it was on, if you went to see him as a doctor. I'm going to see Dr. Plantinga today. Okay? He's an, actually, he wasn't a doctor. He's an American theologian. And he says these beautiful words. I love these words. He said that God himself is a zestful, wondrous community of divine light, love and joy and mutuality, where there is no isolation, 
No insulation, no secretiveness, no fear of being transparent to another. And it is into that community that God is inviting us. I read a, a great book a few years ago, and in fact, I've dipped in and out of it again uh, this, this last few weeks, and it's a book by a guy called Dr. Gilbert Belzikian. He wrote a book called Community 101, and he says this in the book. He says, community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is. Because he is community, he creates community. It is his gift of himself to humans. Therefore, the making of community cannot be regarded as an optional decision for Christians. It is a compelling and irrevocable necessity, a binding divine mandate for all believers at all times. Jesus, in his prayer for his disciples, his famous prayer of John chapter 17, he gives pretty much the whole chapter over to prayer. Jesus says these words in verse 22 of John 17. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. God's desire is that out of his oneness, of him being community, we would live in community. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we read in the early church that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There was this incredible sense of togetherness and oneness within the community of God's people in the early church. And so God gives us this beautiful gift of community and this potential of oneness because God himself is community. We'll look at that in a moment. In Acts 2, verse 44, the same chapter, it says these words, And all that believed were together and had all things in common. I think that we are going to go through a season in the coming months as a nation where people are going to feel the real hardship of life. Maybe you've, you've sat in your own household community and you've looked at your own budgets and sums and you've thought, yikes, this is going to be an ex expensive season. You can't fill a family car up now without putting a hundred pounds worth of fuel in it. In October, you know, the estimation, the average estimation is that household utility bills will go up by 80%. And then again in January and potentially again in April. And for some of us, we'll be okay. We'll ride the storm. We'll make a few adjustments. You know, we might have a few less takeaways or we might not go on two holidays next year or that kind of thing. But there are others within our Christian community here that won't have those luxuries just to cut out those luxury things. What an opportunity for us as church to have all things in common. What a beautiful opportunity for us to look out for one another and create that sense of living out the gift of community that God has given us because he himself is community. The God of oneness 
the God of oneness. Let's have a look at just a little bit of the Bible, um, because you don't have to go far into the Bible to discover that God is community. In fact, you don't have to go far into the Bible at all. You just have to go to the first three verses of the Bible. So if you're not following in a Bible this morning, we're going to put Genesis chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3 up on the screen. And it says this. Let's read it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. You only have to go to the very first three verses of the Bible to discover that God himself is community. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because maybe for some of us, we've never seen this before. Or it's never dawned on us that God has given humans this beautiful gift of community to live within that realm. But God himself is community. And so we read here in this first verse that God the Father, God created the heavens and the earth. We see God as the grand designer of all creation. He brings the heavens and the earth into existence. He comes and oversees from his throne the creation of the world. And if you read Genesis chapter 1, you see how that unfolded over a period of six days, culminating in his final masterpiece on day six, the creation of the human being. God the Father brings creation into being and he creates the heavens and the earth and brings them into existence. James chapter 1 verse 17 says these beautiful words. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. It's like all good things find their origin and definition in the Father. Isn't that beautiful? But then you come to verse 2, and it says this, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And what does it say? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Hebrew word for spirit there is this word called ruach. And the literal meaning of that word in its simplest form means the breath of God. So God the Father is this grand design of creation, instigating the heavens and the earth. But in verse 2, God the Spirit is hovering over the water. And as God creates the heavens and the earth, the Spirit, the breath of God, brings things to life. Psalm 33 verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. We see the Spirit bringing life to creation. So you have God the Father and God the Holy Spirit 
working together because God is community, bringing creation into being. And then you come to verse 3 and you find this, that God said, let there be light and there was light. So the word was spoken. Now, somebody tell me this morning, who is the word? Jesus, absolutely. So the, the, the common scripture to go to here is obviously the Gospel of John chapter 1. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and listen to this, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John clearly says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, that Jesus is the Word. In fact, a few verses later in that chapter, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's where Jesus came in human form and was born into this world, lived a life and died the, life, died the death on the cross. So you see there that in the very first three verses of the, of, the, of the Bible, that God is community. He is three distinct um, aspects, but he is one. There is a oneness to God because God is community. And so right through the Bible, God is this, is this community of oneness to his people. So when he creates us in his image, he creates community. God is at the forefront of the work of creation, but both the word and the spirit are present and involved with the father in creation. The Son is at the forefront of the work of redemption on the cross, but both the Father and the Spirit are present and involved with the Son in redemption. The Spirit who lives in us is at the forefront of sanctifying our lives day by day, day in, day out, but both the Father and the Son are present in the work and the involvement of sanctification. So God is consistently involved as one God within the nature of him being community. And we find that thread right throughout the Bible. Because God will never create something that he doesn't see through. And he will never create something that he isn't himself. God will never bring love to the world through Jesus if God isn't love. Because it would go against the very definition of his character and who he is. And so from God being community, from God being this togetherness, this oneness, he says these incredible words in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. He says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That the creation of man and woman, God the Father creates by speaking his word, the Son, and breathing his life, the Spirit, into man, and man becomes a living being. Isn't that exciting? 
that God, who is community, creates this community. That's why God says in Genesis 2, it is not because God made man first, and he says it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We've said this before, but it is worth saying again, God didn't make a helper suitable for man to do the dishes or the ironing or the cooking. And I know we can, we can laugh a little bit about that, but I think sometimes the, the, the male side of mankind can be a little bit like that. And I think there are churches and church networks and church denominations that live in a way that, you know, all leadership is male. Well, in this church, we absolutely believe in the 100% equality of men and women in all aspects of church life. And I would get my theology from the story of Genesis and as I would journey through Scripture like that. That the beautiful expression of the image of God on the earth, God as community on the earth, is the expression in equality of man and woman together. Isn't that beautiful? Women, you can't live without men. And men, you can't live without women. Because together we express the nature of the community essence of who God is himself. I love that because sometimes I think we focus in on let us make man in our image. But then it says this, after our likeness. The Hebrew word for likeness there literally means resembles. You know, how many of you have looked at a child and you've said, God, don't they resemble their dad? A lot of people say that of me. They said, as long as, as, long as uh, I'm alive, Vic Blake will never die because I so resemble my dad. I'm like my dad in so many aspects. And whether you like it or not, your children will be like you because they will resemble you. They've taken on your likeness. And so God being the God of community, he is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God breathes his life into humans and they become, a living, they become living beings. And in that first couple in Genesis 2, they express the community of who God is. Now, of course, since that time, brokenness and sin have come into the world, but God still asks us to live in community. And what we're going to explore, and I'm not quite sure how we're going to work this now, because next week's going to be completely given over to baptism and John speaking on the third week, but we'll work it. But it would be really good to look at how God calls us to live in community. So going back to that verse in Acts 2.44, they had all things in common. They shared their possessions. There was a sense of community together. But of course, you're having to deal with me, Graham, who's got a sinful nature. And so sometimes... I want to live in community and I want to live within the context of Christian community because I believe God is community. But I'm having to deal with my selfishness and you're having to deal with your selfishness. So when you need a car 
and I've got two vehicles sitting on my drive, what I should be saying at a drop of a hat is, you can have one of my cars. But the selfishness that rises up in me sometimes is, what about if you prang it? Or dent it? What about if it comes back on my drive a different shape than when it left? What about if I lend you something and you don't return it? Or you treat me wrongly in conversation, but I'm meant to live in community with you. And so we have to learn to express the community of who God is in a broken and sinful and fallen world. And that is really challenging. Really challenging. And, but I believe it's possible because God is calling us to live in the community of who he is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that takes grace and a whole heap of mercy and a lot of kindness and love. But I want us to continue to be a community church where we learn to live in authentic relationships. And that's a challenge. But God is community. And he gave us this gift of oneness and community. And somewhere in this mix, we have to learn to live it out. And so may God help us as we journey out of the perfection of God as community to learn to live in the imperfection of living in Christian community. Getting it right sometimes and getting it miserably wrong at other times but trying to do what we can to have authentic, genuine community with one another. There's a challenge there, isn't there? Even if we were the best church in the world, that would still be a challenge. So may God bless us today. May we seek to live in community. May we seek to do our part in that. And next Sunday as we gather, and as we live our lives this week, Let's seek to work out. Now, if you're in a connect group, I've sent the connect group leaders a few questions this week. You don't have to do it in your connect group. You might have other plans, but it gives you a little hook to maybe talk. And one of the questions is, what scares you about living in community? <laughs> you know, what, what do you find could get under your skin, you know, when you're having to like, work with a small group of Christians? That's not always easy, is it? So, amen.